You're listening to the Dungeons, Dragons, and Psychology Podcast. How many times have you heard the adage that you should walk a mile in somebody else's shoes? This idea has been around for a very long time. In fact, the first written reference might be from an 1895 poem by Mary T. Lathrop called Judge Softly. And in this poem, she says a line, walk a mile in his moccasins, which is a challenge to the reader to see and understand things from the perspective of others. Despite the perceived value of this concept, there's many today who advocate against any sort of acting or role-playing in which the actor or role-player is portraying a character that is in a minority group of which the player does not belong. So the question for you, my cyclothids, is this. Should we, as role-players, play characters who are not representative of ourselves in real life? I'm Robert Walker, author of Session Zero, the DMG to writing great campaigns in any system, and this is my show, where I teach collaborative storytellers how to create memorable campaigns using psychology. And today we're talking about the idea of playing characters who do not represent us in real life. Let me give you an example. In real life, I'm a middle-aged, white, heterosexual male. So if I were only to play characters who represented me, they would be white, heterosexual males who were taking the penalties and bonuses for being middle-aged characters. However, in the last campaign I was a player in, I chose to play a young, bisexual, elven male. Over the course of this campaign, my character entered a romantic relationship with another male character. Now, this experience does not represent me as an individual, but I do want to illustrate a story from that campaign that reminded me of the importance of choosing to play those types of characters nonetheless. As it often happens between dungeon crawls, our characters would find themselves back in town with all of the loot that they had acquired from the villains they had just defeated, and so we would go to the shop where the magic dealer works and sell these wares get our coins and barter for whatever it was we needed to improve our characters' abilities or make them better at what they do. It's a tale as old as time, so to speak. But I started to notice a pattern as we kept going to the local magic shop, and that pattern was every time my character was looking for a magical item or trying to find something to improve himself for the party's benefit or for his own benefit. This shopkeeper never had what I was looking for. Now, the other members of the party had no difficulties sourcing or acquiring the objects that they needed for their characters, but my character in particular kept being unlucky is the way that I saw it. To the credit of the dungeon master, he was making a good show of it, rolling the dice every time I asked if an item was in stock, and, of course, giving me the answer, oh, sorry, that isn't available. It wasn't until about the fourth or fifth time that this had happened, and I was personally starting to get quite frustrated with the fact that I could never find anything for my character, that one of the other players suggested that the reason I was not able to find what I was looking for was perhaps the shopkeeper was homophobic. Now, as soon as this suggestion was made... All of us sort of looked to the DM, and the DM had that look in their eyes. You know the one I'm talking about, that look where it says you sort of just hit the nail on the head in a puzzle that you're trying to solve. And it was a relief to understand what was happening, 
But at the same time, I had these feelings of anger and disgust that rolled over me as I was experiencing this hatefulness that was directed at my character because of what my character was. Looking back at the entire situation now, it's easy for me to understand and see that this is obviously what was happening with the shopkeeper. However, at the time, I realized that the idea never occurred to me because it wasn't anything that I had personally ever experienced. I had never been the target of that sort of hatefulness. So let's go back to the question that I asked at the top of the episode. Should we as role players play characters who are not representative of ourselves in real life, despite the fact that there is advocacy against that sort of acting or role playing? I can understand the concept in the world of acting a little bit easier because an actor who is portraying a minority group of which they don't belong, they are actively taking away a role from someone who is part of that group who could be given the opportunity to portray faithfully their group. However, when it comes to role-playing, I don't think that same concept applies. We're not taking a role away from someone who should be given the opportunity to portray that role. We are portraying a fictional character in a world that gives us the opportunity to explore different aspects of ourselves. If we look to psychology to answer this question, it stems from a concept known as implicit bias, which is an unconscious association or belief, it could be an attitude, towards any social group. And due to implicit biases, people often attribute certain qualities or characteristics. It is the foundation of stereotypes. It's an unconscious foundation of stereotypes, but it is a foundation of them nonetheless. And then, of course, we all know that stereotypes give way to racism and sexism and all sorts of other hateful things. So a big part of modern psychology has been understanding implicit biases and figuring out ways to modify those unconscious thoughts. There are a number of ways that research in the field of psychology has shown that people can reduce implicit bias. And I would like to share a couple of them with you because I believe that they are perfectly suited to being practiced in role play that can help us better understand both our own implicit biases and understand that people are individuals rather than focusing on stereotypes or biases. So the first way that role playing, I believe, could be used to help reduce implicit bias would be to increase your exposure to other types of groups. Now, you don't necessarily have to have that exposure in person, face-to-face. It can be in a make-believe setting. This is why role-play is so often used in therapy. It is because even the practice of going through those things, experiencing those moments in a safe and controlled fictional environment can still give us a framework for how to act and how to react in a real-life setting. So spending more time or incorporating more characters with different racial and sexual and cultural backgrounds, you are increasing your exposure to these things. And the second way 
that psychology advocates reducing implicit bias is by adjusting your perspective, seeing things from another person's point of view, walking a mile in their shoes, as it were, figuring out how you would respond if you were in the same position, which is effectively just role-playing. This is why I think it is such an important part of role-playing games, is that one of the best ways that we know through psychology to reduce implicit bias and, by extension, stereotypes, and by extension, racism and sexism and all sorts of hateful isms, is to role-play what it's like to be that other person, to see the world from their point of view, to understand what they're experiencing. I had that moment when I realized that my character was being stereotyped and was being treated differently because of who he was as an individual. Now, I could have chosen to play a heterosexual white elf and not have experienced that moment, but then I would have been stuck with the same sort of mental framework that I had always existed with. I never would have had someone say, Maybe they're treating you this way because you're different, and I wouldn't have experienced that moment of disgust. Now, is that piece that I experienced in a story as visceral and as difficult as somebody who has to experience that day to day? No, absolutely not. Of course it's not. It would be silly to say that it is that difficult, but it does give me a framework to understand the world from another person's perspective, which is all part of the drive to reduce implicit bias. So when I hear people suggest that you shouldn't role-play characters that don't represent yourself, with the knowledge that one of the greatest tools that we have for defeating racism and sexism and hatefulness is by increasing our exposure and adjusting our perspective through role play, it's ridiculous to me because what they are saying is we want sexism and hate to be gone, racism to be evaporated from this world, and yet we don't want to use the tools that we know are effective at doing that. However, there is another side to this coin and another point that does need to be made here. If you are taking on a persona that doesn't represent you and you are playing a character in a respectful way and helping reduce implicit bias in yourself by understanding another group, that's all well and good. But if you are choosing to role play a minority group or a different type of sexual identity or whatever it is and you're trying to do it in a sarcastic or a mocking way, to poke fun of that group, then you're not reducing implicit bias. You are increasing it. You're not reducing stereotype. You're increasing it. So that has to be said. If you are going to role play somebody who does not represent yourself, you need to do it respectfully with the purpose of improving yourself as a person, not making fun of whatever it is you're trying to portray. Being mindful of how you are portraying and how you are experiencing this is extremely important. And I would challenge you to make sure that you are doing it in a way that is positive and beneficial, not just for yourself, but for society in general. Let's move on to tricks of the trade.
In today's Tricks of the Trade, I want to give you some ideas for characters you could play that would help you understand the perspective of others and reduce your own implicit bias. So the first idea would be to play a character that represents a different sexual identity than yourself. Now again, like I just stated, you need to do this in a respectful way, and you want to try and understand that regardless of your sexual identity, love is love and that each of us are seeking that in a way that identifies with ourselves, and we must continue to be mindful about the way that we portray that. My second idea would be to portray a character that represents a different political ideology than one that you hold. I think this is especially important today in the society that we find ourselves in, where there is so much disagreement and so much hate strewn across the political spectrum. If you can give yourself the opportunity to stand in someone else's shoes and try to see why it is they believe what they believe, I promise you that when you meet those people in real life, you will at least have a better understanding of what it is that they hold important. Because people don't want to be on one side of the political argument to just be hateful of the other people. It represents something about themselves that they find is representative in that type of politics. And my final character idea that I would suggest perhaps you give a chance at playing would be someone who represents a different gender identity than you are. And for the same reasons as sexual identity or politics, understanding that gender is fluid and being able to accept that as part of yourself, that your gender is also fluid, just like everyone else's gender can be fluid. That is a very powerful way to eliminate those types of biases. And if you can be a character for a short period of time that has those sort of differences from yourself that you can embrace and take on, once again, you will be better able to understand from their perspective what the world is like and be able to be more respectful in your daily real life. So that is all for today, my cyclothids. I want to thank you for listening to this session and remind you to always please check out my book, Session Zero, The DMG to Writing Great Campaigns in Any System. It's available on Amazon and you can find a link in the show notes. But I do want to ask you, if you have an iPhone or a Mac computer, please do me a huge favor and leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It would be very beneficial. Those ratings go a long way to promoting the show, getting the word out, and helping my rankings. And that is a platform on which I'm currently struggling to find people to get reviews and ratings from. So if you could take a moment and do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it. And until next time, we'll see you next session.